I wonder, what's the, um, what's the strangest or the most unusual journey you have been on? The sort of journey that lives in your memory. I was thinking about that question this week, and for me, it brought back memories of when I traveled to Nicaragua, which is uh, over 20 years ago now, and there were a number of journeys that were of interest to me. I'd gone out to Nicaragua with a Christian charity. I was, uh, first of all, in a place called Bluefields, which is on the East Coast, and was helping to build a school there, and then traveled inland to a place called Nueva Guinea, and was helping to build a building um, for a Bible school there, and some of what I was doing, here's a picture of me, um, some 20 years or so ago, mixing cement. And uh, that's something I did quite a lot of during that time out there. I've hardly aged a bit, I'm sure you'll agree. So I, I was out there, but there were a number of unusual journeys that we went on, you know, riding on horses to get to a church, for example. That's the only time I've ever done that. Um, uh, we would travel on all manner of ways. On um, This was an old farm truck, and you can see some people sitting on the roof there to travel. That wasn't unusual. I was on a bus one day, and we, there wasn't really room downstairs, so we sat on the roof. Um, that was a day or so. I happened to discover a scorpion in my bag whilst on the roof of a bus, but that's for another time. Um, so these are the kind of things that happened, but the journey that strikes me most, and I remember most, which is relevant for what I want to talk about today, was a, a time when I was traveling on my own to Nueva Guinea, and I, I was on a small aeroplane. It's the smallest one I'd ever been on. It was about eight seats. And um, I, I, I was put on the plane by other people from the charity on my own. I had a little piece of paper that uh, I, I still remember the words roughly, La Finca Central Americana. That was all I had to get where I needed to go. And um, I was on the plane, and they told the pilot. It was more like a, a bus plane, if you like, because it, it had a various route, and it would drop people off en route at different places as you were going. And um, so I, the pilot had been told where I needed to get off and asked to make sure that I got off at the right place. And um, uh, there was this moment where he, he, he was saying something, and my Spanish was very, very limited, and it certainly didn't uh, entail being able to understand what a pilot was saying coming through the... Um, well, it wasn't even an intercom because the uh, plane was so small, but above the noise of there. Uh, and then um, we, we were getting lower, and then it kind of um, raised up again the plane and, and went round in a circle. And I, I could hear the pilot say something. And I thought, I hope he's not saying anything bad is happening here, because I'm not quite sure. And I was looking down. I couldn't see a runway at all. Um, but then we got lower and lower. And I thought, we're going to land here. And uh, it, th this was um, what we landed on. That's the airport at Nueva Guinea. And uh, I just remember, uh, as we landed, mud flying up and hitting the, uh, hitting the windows. I later discovered that the reason we'd circled was because they had to move the horses off. And uh, that was coming into land. And so I had this moment when I get off, and I, I don't know whether you can quite see it there, but this is a picture I took later. I was standing in the middle with my luggage. I got barbed wire fences and dirt tracks on either side. No obvious exit, there were just, well, it was just a field through which you could walk. And here I was with a piece of paper saying La Finca Central Americano, but without a clue where to go. You know, there wasn't an obvious way out. You know, you could go either way. Which way was I to go? Well, I, I did pray at that moment, and, um, uh, and I, I did. I choo chose one of the ways, and um, 
A few minutes later, uh, as I followed the dirt track down, I did come across what was the center of Nueva Guinea. It looked something like that. Um, uh, there, were, there were horses around, and I was just still trying to work. How on earth do I get here? And so in my broken Spanish, uh, I did manage to find somebody who I said uh, I needed to go somewhere. I was looking for a taxi. And he, he kind of seemed to understand me. He said, oh, see, see, he was calling on me to come after him. And uh, I walked down uh, a few roads, uh, uh, and he did point out to me, and I wish I'd taken a picture of it, but um, he, he, he pointed me towards a car, the most dilapidated car I have ever seen in my life. Put it this way, uh, three of the doors were missing on it, uh, and the boot didn't have a cover on it either, and he was just uh, pointing it over to it, and the rest looked fairly rusty, and I was kind of saying, no, no, I want a taxi, uh, and he said, see, 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 and he was pushing me, and there were three or four men around there, and there was that part of me that was just wondering, um, am I going to get out of this alive? Uh, am I being going to be robbed and beaten in this place where I don't know where I am? I haven't got a clue where I'm supposed to go other than say, I can say these words, La Finca Central Americano, and that's all I can say. Um, I, I was fairly confident that if I was going to be robbed and murdered, it wouldn't be far from that spot because I didn't think the car was going very far at all. And actually, after 10 minutes of trying, um, he couldn't get the engine started. And they said, oh, just wait, wait here. Oh, that was kind of what I interpreted them saying. And they ran off and they got somebody along. Uh, uh, and a car came round the corner the second most dilapidated car I've ever seen in my life, but it did have two advantages. One, it said taxi on it, um, which made me a little bit more reassured, um, and it was moving, so that, and it had all the doors attached as well, so it was, it was good. Uh, and I, I did get in there, and um, I, he seemed to know where it was that I needed to go, except we got to the place, and it wasn't the place we needed to go, and he looked a bit confused, and we went somewhere else, and that wasn't the place either. Eventually, we did get there. But I just have this memory. It was uh, actually uh, in that field, just standing there. I was about 21 at the time, I think it was. And um, I'd not been abroad uh, before, just standing alone in a field, thinking, I really do not know where to go. And just having that moment of thinking, what do I do now? Uh, and I share that with you because uh, perhaps that helps me, at least, to understand a little bit about how it might have felt for Abraham, where he receives the call of God. The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. It says a little bit later on, we read in Hebrews this, by faith, Abraham when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He had that moment of being called to go to a place that he did not know. I mean, imagine that conversation for Abraham with his wife, Sarah. You know, how does that go? Um, Sarah, I, we, we, we've been called to go and leave. Oh, why? What, what's going to happen? Well, the Lord's promised he will make us into a great nation. Okay, oh, well, that sounds okay. Where are we going? I don't know. Well, how will we know when we get there? I don't know, because the Lord's leading. You know, that's not easy, is it, to set off. When you get a call to go, you kind of think you're going to have a definite destination to go to. But actually, it doesn't always work out like that. 
Uh, and the reason that I want to talk about this this morning is this idea of go, but the question is, do we always know where that call is going to take us? And the example in Scripture is no. Uh, I put up there a, a picture you can see on the right-hand side maybe. These are some DIY instructions for some flat-pack furniture. How many people have ever done flat-pack furniture? Quite a few of you. How many of you ever found it frustrating with flat-pack furniture? Yeah, quite a few of you as well. I'm certainly one of those. And one of my experiences, uh, maybe I'm not alone in this, is that I've got to that place where I've tried to follow the instructions, which just don't feel very clear. You, you get to about the last page, and then you realize that actually there's a piece about three pages earlier, which you didn't realize it mattered which way round it got, but now you've discovered that it does. And so you've got to undo everything, and all the time muttering, why couldn't the instructions be a bit clearer? I say muttering, and that's the polite version, maybe. <laughs> you know, because uh, why can't instructions be clearer? God, why couldn't you be clearer at this particular moment? And maybe there are some people here who find exactly that. You, you say, Lord, here I am. I want to do what you want me to do. What is it? And actually, it isn't clear-cut. And you just say, I wish you'd be a bit clearer, Lord. Be a bit more obvious, a bit more direct, please. But actually, the reality of the Christian walk is that sometimes we have to walk by faith. We're called to go, but we don't know exactly where we're going. Uh, and what I want to do this morning is just bring up uh, a few things that can perhaps help us to think through this of what it's like, because if you're anything like me, there are times when you know God's called you to go, but you're just like, I don't know where, I don't know when, I don't know what, but I know that I'm called not to just sit and allow faith to pass me by, not to just come on a Sunday and that's all the impact my faith has on me, but actually for my faith to make a difference and for me to live by faith, for me to live Monday through to Saturday as well as Sunday by seeking to live for God, but I'm not always sure exactly what that means. First thing that I want to talk about in that situation is I, I think actually there's this moment where we get so caught up with what it is we must do. We're all about, you know, when there's a call to go, it's about what we do, and that, that makes sense. But what I want to suggest is actually sometimes it's not about a call to do, it's a call to be, you know, how I'm to live it out. We, we get so caught up on the minute details, and we live in a society, don't we, where, where we always have, if you're in the workplace, it's kind of you have vision plans and mission things, and this is what we're going to do. You've got a plan of action, and I'm not knocking that because there's a lot of good in that, and there's things sometimes that as churches we can learn from it. But actually, as Christians, we need to understand that our call to go is not just about to do, it's to be to be God's people. And there are lots of different verses that I could have pulled out for this, but there's one that I just came to my mind as I was praying about this and as I was writing the sermon. It's Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Yeah, and actually, that's a call that each of us share going out of here later on with whatever we go and do. That call is for part of us to follow, to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Now, for each of us in different situations, that might look different. 
But can I suggest, rather than always being so concerned with what am I supposed to do, we're concerned with who am I supposed to be? Because actually we can do the Lord's work, but we can do it without seeking justice and loving mercy and walking humbly with our God. And that's not what we're called to do. We're called to whatever we do to bring these things, to bring Christ into the situation. You see, we can go about serving God, but not bring Christ's love into the situation. We need to be careful about that. Wherever we go, whatever we're doing, this is our call. And part of it is to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Are you here today thinking, I'm sure I'm supposed to be doing something for God, but I don't know what. Let me suggest it starts with this. Whatever situation we find ourselves in, in the home, in the workplace, with our neighbors, with our friends, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. That's the first thing. So this really is, if you like, it's a, it's a call to obedience because Abraham has to go. It says in Hebrews, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. This is our call, to obey, to go and be the people that God wants us to be. It's also something that we're supposed to, I think there's something important about saying when we're going and we don't know exactly where we are going, mark the moment of God's presence. This is what Abraham does in verse 6. We read this, Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. You see, he didn't know exactly where he was going, but he believed that he had to be obedient and go on that journey. And whilst there, there was this moment when he felt close to God. God revealed his presence to him. And he marked it. He built an altar there. Now, I'm not suggesting that every time we sense God's presence with us, we should build an altar. You can if you like, but I'm not suggesting that's what we do. But maybe what we need to do is we do need to mark it in some way. For many, it might be simply writing it down so we can remember. Because at those times when we're on the journey, and we don't know where God is taking us, there come those moments where we need to be encouraged by the fact that we have seen and felt and experienced the presence of God. Uh, somebody was sharing with me um, that quite recently that what happened to them is that they, they felt um, that they, well, they weren't going to be able to get to a Sunday service and, um, uh, because they didn't have a lift that particular day. Uh, and for some reason... Well, I say some reason. God was placing on their heart. He said, actually, he decided to take a taxi and come down, which isn't something that would normally happen. And when he did, he said, felt that what was said and what happened in the service was exactly for him on that day. You see, there's an obedience in that, isn't there? The obedience of saying, I'll go. I don't quite know why, but I'll, I'll do what I don't normally do, which is take a taxi so that I can get there. And then God blessed 
Uh, and actually, there are moments like that, I believe, for all of us, where we don't know exactly where we're supposed to be, but we travel, and there's a moment where God reveals himself to us. Let's make a note of that. Because at other times when we're on that journey and not sure exactly why we're here or what we're supposed to be doing, we can remind ourselves and encourage ourselves because we can look and say, God was with me here. God made it clear at this moment. Other things that you can write down where you say, actually, I know God was there at that moment and use it to encourage us in the future where we're not sure where we're supposed to be. Make the mo mark the moment of God's presence. Make time to remember God's presence as well. You see, there, God is the active one. Um, God reveals himself to Abraham. What happens next in verse 8? We read, from there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So he was the active one this time. It wasn't that God revealed his presence, but he marked an altar there. It's almost like he has this moment where he says, I'm going to stop and reflect. I'm going to look back and see where God has been on my journey. See, that's important for us to do as well, because actually the reality is for many of us, we find it more difficult to see where God is right now. But when we look back on where he's been on our journey, we can see his hand. That's one of the things that was speaking to me in, in the song we were singing earlier on about the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. That encourages me to look back and I can see the hand of God on my life again and again. Even though there were times as I was going through these things where I didn't see where God was. Make time to remember God's presence. To look back and say, God, where were you? at those moments. Here is the truth. God is always with us. The question is, can we see it? We need to take time to stop and say, actually, Lord, right at this moment, where has your hand been on my life? Can I see it? Uh, and my experience is, as I do that, God reveals so much more than I'd understood at the time. So make time to remember God's presence. Um, some of you will recognize this picture, this is from The Jungle Book, a film in the 1960s, tells the story of Mowgli, who is um, brought up by wolves. And the time comes where it's felt that it's right for him to go to the man village. Uh, and the film follows his adventures along the way. One of them is meeting the snake Car. He sings a song to Mowgli with the words, Trust in me. Just in me, shut your eyes and trust in me. You can sleep safe and sound knowing I am around. And it's not true, of course. But in life, we have to work out again and again, who am I going to trust? Who am I going to trust to do things? And there are good choices and there are bad choices. <laughs> Our God is always faithful. He's so faithful and he's good. We can trust him. It's a question of trust, though. For Abraham, he had to decide who he was going to trust. Here comes the call. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. You know, it sounds quite unlikely, doesn't it, in many ways? One man and his family, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Do I trust you, God, enough to go? We have to make that decision. Do we trust God 
that when he says go, even though I don't know where I'm going, even though I don't know what it means, I'm going to go because I trust in God. That's what Abraham did, and his trust was rewarded. Why? Because God is faithful. Maybe God is calling us to go somewhere and do something, and we think, but I don't understand, I don't know why. But actually, it's not about that. It's about saying, I trust you, God. If you call, I will go. And I'm sure I'll discover in the end why and what your promises are and that they will come faithful. You are faithful, O oh God, that I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Well, we're still talking about Abraham today. I think that's making a name great, isn't it? And we read about the nation that came from Abraham. Last thing that I want to talk about this morning is this. Well, let me tell you first of all about this gentleman, Tony Kerfee. He, I don't know if any of you read him. He was in the newspaper yesterday that I was reading. He's just become the oldest person to sail solo around the world at the age of 74. Quite amazing, isn't it? He's traveled 30,000 miles in 308 days in his 32-foot yacht. And, um, yeah, I think that's quite amazing. It's interesting. I did note as I read the story, I was just thinking this is partly what struck me by it. Abraham was 75 when he set off. This man was 74. You know, it's amazing what you can do even well into your 70s. So if you're here today and you're in anywhere near that age gap, remember that for Abraham, the most significant years of his life happened after the age of 75. Be encouraged by that. But anyway, um, Tony, when he came back, said, this is one of the things he said, after completing the journey, he said he was really looking forward to a king prawn curry from the local takeaway. <laughs> you know, however amazing a journey is, there are things that we are called to leave behind on a journey. And for him, what he noticed was the, the curry from his local Chinese. Um, you know, there is a call to leave things behind. Abraham responds to that call. I will bless you, those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. You know, what did he have to leave? He had to leave his country, his people, his father's household. That was a lot to leave behind, wasn't it? But sometimes the call of God calls us to leave things behind. It could be to leave behind our comfort zones. You know, we get into a way of doing things and a way of living, and it's quite comfortable. Sometimes God calls us to leave that behind and say, are you willing to step out from where you're comfortable? What's your response this morning? I'm not saying God is telling you to do this, but what if God says to you, leave the comfort zone that you have right now? Would you do it? Sometimes he calls us to leave uh, certain things behind. It might be to leave a lifestyle behind. It might be to leave certain people behind who maybe aren't a good influence on us. Who knows? There can be all kinds of things. But what we need to understand is the call of God to go is also a call at times to leave something behind. And the question is, are we willing to do that? Even when we don't know exactly where the journey is taking us. Abraham has a call to go. 
a call to a place where he doesn't know where it is. He doesn't know how things are going to unfold. What's it going to be like? What's going to happen? Is he going to see the faithfulness of God through it all? That call to go meant he had to be obedient, even at a place where he didn't know what was going to happen. As he did go, he marked the moments of God's presence. He made time to remember God's presence. He chose to place his trust in God. And he called, he responded to the call to leave whatever he needed to behind as he went where God said, go. What about us? Can we learn from Abraham about obedience to go where God calls, marking the moments of his presence, making time to remember God's presence, trusting wholly in him and leaving behind whatever he says to leave behind. That's what it means to go. That's what it means to go. But I believe that if we say yes, we will go. We'll never regret it. We may have some adventures. Life may not be easy, but it will be the best decision we've ever made. Why? Because God is faithful. And God is full of goodness. And God wants the best for us. May God help us to respond to his call to go.